If you're going to run a great business, you've got to have great people, and finding them is a huge part of that puzzle. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter.com has a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. It identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. You can find them, but ZipRecruiter is how. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. One more time, try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. Once you check out their interface and you see those candidates come right into your inbox, you're going to realize it's a great choice. ZipRecruiter.com slash buck you are entering the freedom hut huge victory for president trump today at the supreme court he has been vindicated and yes in fact we saw that the ninth circuit court of appeals is a hashtag resistance ridiculousness Uh, We will also get into all of the latest today on other Supreme Court decisions and the fight over civility and immigration at the border. That and more coming up on the Buck Sexton Show. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America, you're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. I told you that Trump would be found to be right on the travel ban. Those of you listening to the show know I've been saying all along it's constitutional. It's plainly within his authority as the uh, chief of the executive branch. And he is right. And it is a great victory. And, and in fact, Trump said so himself. Play uh, clip 11, please. You have probably all seen, otherwise you wouldn't be at the top of your game, the fact that uh, today's Supreme Court ruling uh, just coming out, a tremendous success, a tremendous victory for the American people and for our Constitution. This is a great victory for our Constitution. We have to be tough and we have to be safe and we have to be secure. At a minimum, we have to make sure that We vet people coming into the country. We know who's coming in. We know where they're coming from. We just have to know who's coming here. We have to know who's coming here. Uh, The the, the president, you will recall, got his first big dose of anti-Trump venom from, uh, you know, as, as the new president of the United States, from the media on this one. Uh, in a way that that gave us a, a taste of things to come. This showed us that the opposition to Trump was going to be unhinged. Uh, it was going to be unhinged. And we have seen that that is, in fact, the case here, that people oppose Trump in ways that go far beyond just not liking his policies. Uh, the, just the notion that they called this a Muslim ban when, in fact, a vast majority of Muslims and Muslim countries were not included on the ban, goes to show you there is dishonesty in their language, there is dishonesty in their intent. 
Just a quick overview here of what happened today, courtesy of the Wall Street Journal, that uh, a divided Supreme Court upheld President Donald Trump's latest ban on travel to the U.S. by people from several Muslim-majority countries, a sweeping reaffirmation of presidential authority, and a victory for the White House on one of its most central and controversial initiatives. The court, in a 5-4 opinion by Chief Justice John Roberts, said Tuesday that Trump didn't violate federal immigration law or the Constitution last September when he put in place restrictions on U.S. entry by people from Iran, Libya, Somalia, Syria, and Yemen, a measure he said was necessary to protect national security because those countries don't provide sufficient information for U.S. officials to assess whether their nationals are a threat. Look, I, I had to notice today, people were saying, oh, it's the third version, it's the third version. Yeah, well, guess what? The Ninth Circuit said the third version wasn't constitutional either. It clearly was. This is all about opposition to Trump, not about the Constitution. Uh, by the way, Mike, do we have a montage of the craziness that they were saying originally when this happened? Do we? Uh, you know, one thing I was hoping that we would get together today is just if we recall uh, what we've got. Which one is it? This is what they were saying about the travel ban. Play nineteen. The message is simple. I mean, this is uh, completely un-American. This is an unlawful order. What Trump is doing is harming our national security. It will incite attacks against us. It is not within the president's authority to discriminate on the basis of religion. It is simply isn't. I hope President Trump will reconsider. Uh, I think it's, it's discriminatory. It's um, counterproductive. This ruling uh, gives kind of a green light to the president to continue his discriminatory policies toward the Muslim community, the Hispanic Latino community, and other people coming from countries that are not desirable in his eyes or in the eyes of his administration. Oh, boy. A lot of people saying it's discriminatory, it's illegal, it's unconstitutional, it's un-American, all that stuff. And now we find out it's actually completely constitutional. The fact that it was 5-4, though, is interesting, isn't it? Uh, this goes to show you one of the central themes that many of us were hitting on during the election itself, which is if you if you had a Ginsburg clone, if you had somebody who was David Souter part two uh, on that court now instead of Neil Gorsuch. Just look at what the courts would be doing. L- look at how important that is. And this is also where we see that. The facade of the Supreme Court as apolitical has been ripped away. This is an instance where a primary objection, a primary objection to President Trump here was that while the law itself may have been constitutional, there were people, and I mean legal scholars, so to speak, who were out there saying, oh, but because Trump is bigoted, the law is not okay for him. Because Trump is Trump, essentially, uh, this is not a power that that he has. W- what happened today was the Supreme Court, by a five-four decision, said that the law is the law. Um, so uh, it's astonishing. You ha- you had an exchange I saw today between some New York Times reporter who wrote the Supreme Court seems to have ruled that what Trump says about his policies doesn't really matter as long as his lawyers can clean it up. And then a response to that that I saw here from Kyle Salmon is, this is the opposite of what happened in Trump v. Hawaii. The court below would have invented a principle that the president's powers are reduced when he says nasty things. 
That idea is found nowhere in our Constitution or case law. If the president has the power to do something under law, he has that power whether he is a jerk or not, whether he acts for the right reasons or the wrong ones. Folks, liberals just don't respect the notion of law. They just don't respect that there is such a thing as the law, that it has meaning, and that it is not something that just changes based on whatever you want it to say. If the court had ruled differently today, we would have had a circumstance whereby a precedent would be in place that some presidents would have. I mean, this is this is the Obama delusion made real here, meaning that for Obama to have done this, liberals would have said, well, that's constitutional because Obama. But Trump can't do it because he said mean things about Muslims and immigrants when he was running for president. That's not how the law works. That's not how authority works. That's not that's not OK. But people think it's okay. Four Supreme Court justices came down on this and said, yeah, you know, we we uh, we would have actually ruled against the president here. And this is, I would note, you're going to see more made of this because national security as something in the president's purview as it relates to the border specifically, very important right now, a very important discussion. Uh, so don't don't think that this is going away. This is going to be... Uh, very a very important marker, I think, of other issues that are going to get tied to this in the future. Because uh, the president may decide, and, and I think this is going to happen, that the board is really a national security issue uh, and that the congressional legislative acts or lack of action to try and find a better way to deal with the surge of immigrants who are actually illegal aliens engaged in a conspiracy to violate U.S immigration law that's what's happening um, but that there there's a very good possibility that i think you'll see the president realize that he has the power and that they'll they'll they're already challenging we're talking about this they're already suing the president over what's going on at the border um, but just back to this muslim ban for a second you remember the hysteria there were protests in the airport there are people saying all of them repeating what they had heard on msnbc and other places all this repetition of this is so unconstitutional it's so evil trump's a monster he's so bad And then when real jurists look at this, not the Ninth Circus, which is a clown show, which is completely and utterly ridiculous, Uh, the things that their decisions, uh, we're going to talk about another narrow decision today that is very troubling, that's going to get way less press because it's not as, it is getting way less press because it's not as closely tied to Trump and this administration. But religious liberties hanging by a threat. First Amendment's hanging by a threat in this country. Freedom is under real assault from the left right now in, in ways that we have to discuss and have to combat. Uh, we have to defend our basic liberties because they're being taken away from us by a progressivism that is just drunk with power, its ability to publicly name and shame and destroy people and tear down people. And uh, there is a lot, a lot to, uh, discuss here a lot to work with so on the on the muslim ban also you know all these different objections and, and the, it's worth seeing the well i always say things like yeah you know if you get a chance you know it's it's about almost 100 pages so i don't know if you really want to take the time to read through the whole case when i was reading through it today though they deal with the different arguments against this and and there there's all these people say oh well the it, it wasn't one of the objections was it wasn't effective it wasn't smart that's not Anyone's call when it's the president's decision, that's the president's decision. 
No one else gets to say, you can't do that, Mr. President, because I don't think that's a good idea. Another objection here that was raised, legal objection. Now, this is what they were thinking they were going to do. Another objection was, well, Mr. President, why don't you, um, you know, well, you can't use this power because you're a racist, you're a bad guy, you're a bigot. Laws don't change because of who the individual is and whether you like them. Law is the law. Democrats have a really hard time with this on immigration, on the so-called Muslim ban, on a number of issues here um, that certainly deserve our uh, our attention and and deserve a lot of our analysis today on the show, which we will certainly do. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. We have much, much more to discuss. What do you think about the cases that came down today, my friends? How does it feel to be vindicated on this side of things? How does it feel to be in a situation where Everyone was saying, oh, Trump, the Muslim ban, it's so unconstitutional. Actually, no. Actually, it is constitutional. So there's that. Uh, we'll also discuss the latest at the border, by the way. I'm not, I'm not taking my eye off that one. And uh, we've, we've got a lot, a lot of show coming your way, folks. We'll be right back. Well, first and foremost, I think this decision is a shot across the bow for lower courts. What was unprecedented was the degree to which the courts, like the Ninth Circuit, relied upon the president's tweets and public campaign statements as the determinative factor in their decision. Uh, We've never seen that. You can't ignore that we have historically given presidents sweeping deference as to who can enter the country. As I said, I don't support the policy, but uh, I don't believe that it uh, violates basic civil liberties or constitutional law or human rights, uh, again, there's a line between opposition and saying the kinds of things that some of the opponents have been saying. So I, I don't think I do agree with the extent to which Justice Sotomayor uh, condemned the policy of the administration. I think it's wrong, but but I don't think it's um, uh, an anti-Muslim mm-hmm. ban. I think that's a mistake. Yeah, Sotomayor is wrong all the time. I, I don't, I, I'm deeply unimpressed by her, or her legal reasoning, writing, everything under the Sotomayor byline, so to speak. She's not a journalist, but it's not good. I've never seen her on any issue before the court where I said, yeah, you know, she's making some good points here. I can see. No. Uh, Very, very weak, uh, in my opinion. Her jurisprudence is is lacking. But there are a lot of people out there who were really, really upset about this whole situation. There are a lot of folks who decided that they – we're going to call this a terrible, a terrible thing for America. Remember, we've had, you know, we've been dealing with this now, the concept of this for, for quite a while. And you look at this ban and you think to yourself, who's really affected by this exactly? Well, what's the big problem here? Why are so many liberals who live in L.A. and New York and Washington, D.C. and other places, why are they all so upset about this? Huh? They like to get upset about things. Uh, this is what at least one senator had to say about this. Play clip nine. This is a dark day for anybody in our country who cares about checks and balances because what this five um, justice decision, it was a very close decision, obviously, says is that um, the president can pretty much do whatever he wants to discriminate against groups of people uh, and say this is for national security. And the court ignored all of the comments that the president had made that he had every intention of banning Muslims from our country. You know, the, the comments are not relevant to the law and the comments are not relevant to presidential power with regard to the exercise of the law. And that's also, 
yet again, an- another instance here where they keep moving around with the, what is the objection? Is the objection that the president doesn't have the power to do this or that this president doesn't have the power to do this? They don't seem to be particularly clear. Also, to say it's a Muslim ban is just on its face inaccurate. We know this. We know that it only bans a small percentage of Muslims from entering the country. It, but th- this gets into other issues, too, about how the Democrat left seems to believe that everyone has rights in America, even people who aren't in America and aren't citizens. So foreigners have rights in America without even being here. Foreigners have a right to the judicial system. Foreigners have a right to your findings out of the border. When they talk about due process, our, our due process is going to is going to evaporate because we're going to have to wait 10 years for a basic civil court date. Because we're going to have so many different people all over the world that can just sue in a U.S. court that think they have standing to come to the country, to stay here, whatever it may be. It's just not the way it's going to work, folks. It can't be that way. And I think that uh, we had a, a narrow, look, it's a narrow victory. 5-4, no question about it. But at least it is a victory. Jason in Phoenix, welcome to Buck Sexton Show. Hi, Buck. Uh, hey. Yeah, my question for you, and it seems like all the cases should be more like a 5-3 ruling because uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, if I remember, she publicly uh, said a bunch of bad things about the president. So it seems like she should be recused from any case. Yeah, what she did was was uh, was uh, uh, pretty universally considered to be you know out of bounds and, and unethical, but... She's all she's become kind of a folk hero on the left. Uh, they call her RBG. They've even tried to make it seem like she's cool, you know, which, OK, whatever. Um, she didn't recuse herself because for liberals, power is its own justification for the left. Whatever works, whatever works. She's not going to recuse herself. But uh, they're also much slower to recuse themselves on any number of issues. Right. So I think that's that's a, an important thing to keep in mind here. Thank you for calling in, Jason Tracy in Ohio. Tracy, welcome to the Buck Sexton show. Hi, Buck. Hey, I got hey. just a couple com- comments. Um, one of them doesn't have nothing to do with what you're saying, but like during the election process, during during the election, all these Hollywood actors sat there said that if Trump got to be president, they was going to move to Canada. Are they in Canada? Or are they still living in Hollywood? You know, making big money. And the other one is like you said a little bit ago about you know these people from these other countries. Our laws don't apply to them, so they actually step foot in our country. So if I go to their country, I have to go by their laws. So if they don't, you know, if they say I'm not allowed into their country because I'm American, I can't, you know, get in there either and stuff. So Yeah, well, just the, the, the notion of due, what you're going to see is the expansion. Thanks for calling in, Tracy. The expansion of due process. This is going to come up with immigrants in particular. Notice but the expansion of due process to include a, a citizen's full access to the U.S. court system and, and all U.S. protections of, of law even people who aren't even in the U.S. Then they say, oh, Buck, well, if an immigrant's here and they get killed, isn't that... We're not talking about that. We're talking about the right to challenge. Yeah, of course, the, the laws still apply. Laws apply to everybody on U.S. soil. Those are people who need to remember. Uh, but you, that doesn't mean that you have access to the U.S. court system in its entirety when you're not on U.S. soil, when you're overseas, and when you want to come here. Um, but what you're going to see is the expansion of due process to include whatever left wants. Also, just another th- thought... Look at how much time the Democrats spend advocating for non-Americans. It's tough to get around that, isn't it? Whether it's illegal immigrants or people covered in the Muslim ban who are non-citizens, non-U.S. residents. A lot of Democrat time spent on not-America issues.
holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. No ban, no wall. No ban, no wall. He's still fighting to this day. He's bringing back No wall. No ban, no wall. I'm going to tell you about a few we're a president that wants to tear families apart. This is a moral moment in our country. What the Supreme Court decided today is not just wrong, it is dangerous. It makes us less safe, and it undermines the values of our country. And we are not defined as a nation by what happens to us. We're not defined as a nation by hateful voices. Yeah, they're still protesting. They're angry. That was Senator Cory Booker. You know, people are all upset about this. Saying it makes us less safe. Like to know how it makes us less safe. I mean, it's one thing to tell me that the travel ban, or as I like to call it, the temporary restriction on travel from certain countries by non-American citizens or permanent residents. This had waivers on a case-by-case basis in place. This was adjusted so it did not affect uh, anybody who's a, a permanent legal resident of the United States. You know, so there were carve-outs here. It affected states, not religions, and. So many of the idiots I see in the mainstream media are like, oh, these are all, they're only Muslims in these countries. No, that is not true. Mostly Muslims in these countries, but North Korea also covered under this ban. And guess what? Not a lot of Muslims in North Korea. Not a lot. In fact, I don't know if you could get even into the, the three-digit range. I don't know. You know but not, not a lot of Muslims in North Korea. That much is for sure. Uh, Venezuela also covered by this. There's some Muslims in Venezuela, but not a lot. More than North Korea, I'm guessing, but not a lot. So they're just lying about this, right? It's a, it's a lie to say that this is a Muslim ban. In fact, that very term is a lie. It is false. It is not a Muslim ban. It is a nat- You could say it is a limited nationality ban. It bans certain countries, people from certain countries. Um, the president's well within his rights to do this, by the way. There's, there, there's a law. Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952 with the following. Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may, by proclamation, and for such period as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as uh, as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate comes from a little place called the Congress. They passed that. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? The president can say, sorry, national security, you're not allowed in. That's it. That's what that law says. But, yeah, a lot of legal analysts, a lot of people out there saying, oh, it doesn't have the right of discrimination. It's so mean, it's so discriminatory. They think that I don't like is the same as that's unconstitutional. This is the big problem you have with the left. They think that that bothers me or I, I prefer something else is the same as That's, you know, not the law, which is untrue. And they will find out, I think, in due time that it is untrue. Um, They will find out that they cannot continue on this path where they just make the law up as they go along. I, I certainly hope they can continue because it degrades the law overall every time they manage one of these victories where they rewrite the statutes you know like hillary clinton wasn't reckless with the classified emails for example right yeah well you know we're gonna say she was incredibly careless or whatever we'll come up with something else but let's let's pretend like this law doesn't really mean anything that's what they did 
that is what they did. Um, so when you look at this, there's that it was five four is is troubling on its on its own. That needs to be said. There is no real. This is the four justices, and with Sotomayor, the most notable one, who went against Trump on this one. They were mostly just venting bile at Trump. That's what this is all about. That's how much they hate Trump. It's even poisoned the mind of Supreme Court justices. They can't look at the law objectively. They have to look at Trump law, which means that something that is okay for one president is not okay for this president. That doesn't doesn't work, doesn't fly. Not acceptable. Uh, Justice Roberts, by the way, went after this, because you'll see a lot of this, this notion that this is similar to the infamous Korematsu decision. Korematsu was the Supreme Court decision had to do with the internment of Japanese Americans during the Second World War. And Roberts, Justice Roberts, in the majority opinion here, took this notion to the woodshed. Here's a quote from the decision. Finally, the dissent invokes Korematsu v. United States. Whatever rhetorical advantage the dissent may see in doing so, Korematsu has nothing to do with this case. The forcible relocation of U.S. citizens to concentration camps solely and explicitly on the basis of race is objectively unlawful and outside the scope of presidential authority. But it is wholly inapt to liken that morally repugnant order to a facially neutral policy denying certain foreign nationals the privilege of admission. The entry suspension is an act that is well within executive authority and could have been taken by any other president. The only question is evaluating the actions of this particular president and promulgating an otherwise valid proclamation. Yep. This this should have been a 9-0 decision, my friends. This should have been 9-0. Any realistic person who has any legal training or just can read and understand legalese would know that there's there's no there's no question that the ninth circuit didn't the ninth circuit tried to strike this down and and tried to uh, you know put a stay on this and prevent it from being the law of the land just crazy where do they get these judges oh well there are usually obama appointees of course in this case in hawaii i believe it was an obama appointee i think actually the judge in hawaii because this case was united states v hawaii I think the judge may have even been a friend of Obama's. But I could be wrong on that. Uh, So they got it right, but just barely. And that is a a warning for all of us. Uh, One more thing here. Speaking of getting it right and just barely. There was another case came down today that dealt with free speech, the issue of free speech. I want to walk you through the issues there because this is really important. And it shows that there is another area where... The left is deluded. The left goes off the rails. And the law no longer matters. And all they want is just victory at all costs. Trump is one of them. But there's another area that's really as powerful when it comes to deranging the left and uh, on issues of law and, and in general. The one thing that gets the progressives as fired up, as angry, and as unreasonable as Trump is the issue of abortion. And that is at the heart of another Supreme Court decision that came down today that we'll talk about right after this break.
The other major case that came down today was NIFLA v. Becerra. And this is a case that was also 5-4. Don't forget, friends, Trump, whatever, whatever conservatives may think of him, the but Gorsuch line is, they think that it's said with irony or, or in mocking. It's true, okay? Gorsuch is going to be around a long time and is going to save liberty and freedom on numerous occasions as a result of it. So they can say, but Gorsuch all they want. Yeah, you're darn right, but Gorsuch. But N-I-F-L-A v. Becerra. Here, here's what, here's what, what's at, at issue here. California, which as we know, has just been becoming more and more loony left, not just Democrat, loony left wing as a state and its state legislature and its policies, had something called the Reproductive Fact Act, which made it a law that licensed and unlicensed women's health clinics, which includes pregnancy resource centers or crisis pregnancy centers. I have to say, you'll see a lot of liberals, liberal publications. Here's a tell. And on abortion, by the way, they're very careful about language because the Democrat Party is an extremist party on abortion. Important that we all know that and then we're all clear about that. Overwhelming majority of the American people do not believe that there should be abortions beyond the first trimester, that it's a baby. Let's not even get into how in the first trimester it's a baby too, but beyond the first trimester, overwhelmingly, Americans believe by clear majorities in the 60 to 70 percent range, it is uh, not it should not be permissible to have an abortion. Democrat Party is abortion all nine months. Day before your due date, abortion is fine. Not just fine, should be celebrated as some act of female liberation. It is the most heinous thing about contemporary America, the most heinous. But here we are. It's a central a central, foundational part of the Democrat Party. Uh, And it is a stain on our our nation's moral character that I don't know if we'll ever be able to get rid of, uh, but it it is there. Nonetheless, California passed this law that said that crisis pregnancy centers must inform women who come to them about abortion providers. Not only... And remember, so they're not necessarily providing any they're not providing medical services. They're just there to, like, help people, uh, you know, really like a counseling center. And some of them have Christian roots. Some of them are Christian associated or affiliated. And the reason they exist is to help women not have abortions. I've actually been, you know, I'll tell you, this, I've been to a, uh, a very excellent uh charity event several times in New York City for a group called Avail. And this is what they do. They help women have babies. They don't they don't get very political. They're not looking to they're not condemning people or anything else. They're just come to us, we'll help you. You're pregnant, you need help, we'll help you. But we help you have a baby. You want to do other stuff, that's not what they do there, right? So I I've been to their benefits, so I've you know given them money and I've been involved. I've talked to their leadership before. Uh, so I understand how crisis pregnancy centers work and what the mission is. Right? They're there to help women have their have children, have babies. That is the mission. So you can imagine California passes a law that says, oh, hey, crisis pregnancy center, that the reason for your existence 
is to help women not feel so trapped or so scared or so socially pressured uh, that they have an abortion. You have to sit there and, as a matter of law, not just inform the women who come to you about abortion providers nearby, but you have a pre-written script that you must read that the state writes out for you. You know, it is our duty under fed, you know, under California law, blah, blah, that you also have the right to see the following abortion providers and blah, you know, I don't know what the specifics of the wording was, but think about this. I mean, this is like telling a, this is like telling a, a Catholic church, you know, you also have to have a script for whenever somebody comes in before Sunday mass, you can say, you know what, guys, I just want to be clear. This all is this all could be fake. There may not be a God. The Bible may just be one big hoax and a big joke. And God is dead or God does not exist. And you're wasting your time here. And this is all a scam. Just wanted to let you let you know that's possible. Now let us pray. Right. Think about that. That's. Sort of like what's going on here. California wanted crisis pregnancy centers to say, you know, you you also should think about abortion. And the reason that they have these centers is to help women not do that. And I would just also note, what's the real purpose here? Let's think about this for a moment. Did, is there any is there any any woman who's pregnant who is able to find her way to a crisis pregnancy center? who doesn't know that there's such a thing as abortion and that there are abortion clinics? I mean, do we really think that Planned Parenthood hasn't done a good enough job of advertising itself, doesn't have enough centers across the country, isn't getting enough hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars? Do we, we, we think we really, they, they really need help? No. This was an exercise in forcing those who are pro-life to bend the knee, to profane their own beliefs, and that this decision also came down 5-4 should be a, a warning to all of us, my friends. The Democrat Party is a party of abortion extremists. The First Amendment, you, you can have no, you have no constitutional protection from their invented, completely, preposterously, farcically conjured out of nothing their invented constitutional right to an abortion you have no you will have no protection against them if you try to stand in the way they will find a way to make it illegal for you to uh, protest against it to speak out against it to organize against it they will they will do everything and anything they can to protect this and I, you know i i there, there are a couple of directions i go with this on the on the one hand i think maybe and this is the part of me that feels well, that I think is more hopeful in a way that the Democrat Party and the pro-abortion left in America can't allow us to ever have a full accounting or a full understanding of what's going on in these Planned Parenthood centers across the country day in and day out because it would, they, they, they couldn't really process it. If they really thought about it, if they had to live with the moral and spiritual consequences of their actions, it would just be overwhelming. So they create this alternate reality they live in where it's all fine. I, I, I think that that's one version of how they can go about this and how Supreme Court justices could take four of them, could take a position that you're going to make people who are devoting themselves to helping babies, helping you know babies get born in a healthy and safe fashion to, you know, to mothers who can 
you know, I, I can say a lot of things. I have never in my life met a woman, and I'm old enough now that I've known a, I've known plenty of people who have, you know, gotten pregnant who are my peers. And I have never met a woman who said, I, I wish I hadn't had the kid. And I have met people who said, I wish I hadn't had the abortion. And I don't know what to say really to the latter. Other than, you know, I'm sorry. I know what to say to the former because they've got kids and they're happy and they made the right choice. I, I don't know what to say to the latter. I just, I'm sometimes at a loss for words. And I've been in a situation where people have brought, you know, I've been told about this uh, by people. And, and even surprisingly, sometimes people I didn't even know all that well. Um, so this was a, it was a victory for freedom and for life today, but a narrow one under the circumstances. This, this should not have been a close call. That it was a close call, a 5-4 decision on this California law goes to show you just how much the Democrats are, as I said, they are extremists on this issue. And they will trample your free speech rights, and they will trample the right of people to support life whenever, however, as often as they can. Uh, We're going to talk immigration coming up here in the next hour and also some updates on the civility conversation. Stay with me. Nine Line Apparel is about much more than getting dressed every day. They're all about being proud of this country, and they make sure that whatever you put on your back, whatever clothing that you decide to wear with Nine Line logos and designs, shows that you believe in being relentlessly patriotic, pulling no punches, and refusing to apologize for your love of country. This is a brand for, of, and by patriots, my friends. They have veteran-inspired, Second Amendment-inspired, and first responder supportive gear they are all about this great country you got to go check it out for yourself and see visit ninelineapparel.com use the coupon code buck20 to save 20 percent off your next order ninelineapparel.com coupon code coupon code buck20 for 20 percent off uh, let me tell you the lined canvas jacket that i'm looking at right here on the website is awesome looks like the kind of stuff that i saw overseas worn by our guys so check it out NineLineApparel.com. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One Make, Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show. I got some breaking news for you, actually, as we're here on the air. This is courtesy of NBC. The Secret Service will begin providing security at the home of Press Secretary Sarah Sanders, according to a law enforcement official. Yep, that's right, folks. We now have to expand armed protection of people who work for this administration because the left is a bunch of maniacal Dangerous, whiny crybabies. That's what this is. Now, now we can't allow them to. <clears throat> we can't allow people to just have their jobs, do their work, disagree with them politically, and leave it at that. No, now, now there's pu- public shaming, shaming of conservatives, shaming of Trump people has become fashionable. So fashionable that there are very real, incredible threats against members of the administration. Can you imagine for a moment 
the way the media would be talking about this issue, the way, not that they talk, oh, we talked about this, we talked, no, 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 it's not about, it's not, it's not non-coverage that I object to with the media, it's the way they cover things, it's the context that they give it or don't, it's the words they use or don't. The narrative that they're trying to form, the perception of the issue they're trying to create in the mind of the reader or the listener or the viewer. Can you imagine if you know there had to be Secret Service stationed at you know Jay Car- uh, Jay Carney's door, or if if you had Secret Service that had to follow around, or you know an additional Secret Service detail. I don't even know who gets Secret Service protection. To be honest with you. Other than the president, and his family, and uh, you know, the, some other folks. See, I don't even know off the top of my head. I got to think about that. Who who actually qualifies for Secret Service protection? But I know it's expanding right now. That much, producer Mike. Do me a favor. Find the uh, help me find who in who in the world of the White House actually gets Secret Service protection. I'm kind of curious about that. So anyway, uh, yep, they're they're going to send it to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You got. Uh, they went to Stephen Miller's house last yesterday. Kind of tracking people down at home. It's getting worse and worse. But, you know, we can count on the big voices in media to really set us straight here and tell us what's going on. We can count on the, the gray-haired, sage wisdom of folks like our friend David Gergen, a.k.a. Gurgling Gergen, who I will tell you said something today that was so stupid on TV that I was embarrassed for him because I'm actually, I'm a nice person, probably too nice for this business sometimes, but I'm a nice person. It's a true thing. Not always, but I can be crap. I can be grouchy. I get hangry for sure. If I don't get enough food, I need to sometimes just sneak a, a granola bar. There's actually a particular kind of bar these days I'm really into, but I'm, I want them to sponsor the show. So I don't want to name them just yet. See, Mike, I'm always thinking commerce, baby. That's right. Got to make it rain up in the freedom hut. But but Gergen, who is the guy, and I remember occasionally having to sit on panels at CNN, and they were like, all right, little child, you be quiet. We need to hear from Gergen now. He's got some gurgles for us. And this isn't, I will say this before we get to it, because this is a good one. I mean, this is, this goes in the Gergen, the, the gurgling hall of fame. Rick Nixon, Reagan, Ford, Obama administration, reminiscent of Ford, Reagan, Nixon, you know. This really goes in, the, in that special category. Uh, but it's not even the dumbest thing said on cable news in the last 24 hours. We have a dumber thing. You have to stay with me the third hour. So dumb that it's worth listening to this whole show, even if you're like, I'm not even loving today's show. You should stay until we get to that, because it's it's the, it's the stupidest thing that you'll hear if you didn't already hear it, which I doubt many of you did. This one didn't get much play today uh, from another... Cable news analysts, they just say say the stupidest stuff on TV. It's amazing, isn't it? But Gergen, I, I want to just let it let it play out. You can hear it from civility issues, Reagan. He goes into it here, and listen to what he says, and then we're all going to have a good laugh about it afterwards. Play the clip, please. Uh, uh, there are a large burr, number burr, of people burr. on both coasts who think Trump is, uh, is totally burr, burr. today. 
We're adrift, uh, and the country is very, very much on we're boil. I think it, uh, the emotions are running very high on all sides. Uh, uh, there are a large number of people on both coasts who think Trump is totally unethical, that he's a moron, all the other kind of epithets one can think about. Uh, and there are people in his base who not only are, are strongly for him, but they're more strongly for him now, and they're fed up with what a press and the left they think has been carping, doesn't give them any credit, uh, yep, whether it's yep. to the economy true, or North true. Korea. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and gradually, I think, I think both sides have now reached the point where they're so frustrated and so fed up and so impatient for change. Uh, mm -hmm. that this could lead almost anywhere. It is extraordinarily divisive. I cannot remember a time. The anti-war movement in Vietnam, the, the civil Here rights movement uh, you know, in the 60s and early 70s, both of those were much more civil in tone. Mm. Uh, even the anti-war movement was more civil in tone, but certainly the civil rights movement among the people who were protesting. The anti-war movement was more civil in tone? This guy, he, he appears on these shows to give... You know, historical context and gravitas and uh, for every president, every president ever, I basically live, I've lived in the White House. There's a special room for me under the West Wing where I just come out, you know, it's like, oh. The anti-war movement, there were domestic terrorists running around. People were planting bombs. People were killing people. They had to call in the National Guard. There, there were people getting shot, people getting blown up, people getting stabbed over the anti-war movement. It was more civil? I mean, I just, you know, sometimes it'd be like somebody said, yeah, you know, World War II. A little bit of a little, little fighting going on. Not, not really that big a thing. It's just a dumb thing to say. I don't even know where to go with that. Anti-war movement. No, no, no. Not, not accurate at all. Not a true thing to say. Not a fair thing to say. Uh, look, I, I don't. I really just like to do Gergen's voice, and I'm not trying to be overly nasty with this. And we've all said, you know, I've said stuff on TV, and I was like, ah, that probably wasn't really the best one ever. But yeah, the anti-war movement set off uh, bombs. The anti-war people helped the enemy. They engaged in armed robberies. They, there were there was terrorism. There were riots. There were people were being assassinated. And people were accusing each other of being pigs, commies, I mean, all, the, the ugliest language, the nastiest stuff. And this was coming from the left, the anti-war left in this country, right? But that, but that's more civilized than now. Hmm. You know, I, there's a part of me that worries that this kind of rewriting of history is... Uh, I mean, I, let, let's hope... You know what? Let's hope it's accidental. I'm going to give the... Ben, I'm going to hope for all of us that they really just... They don't know, you know, Gergen, look, he's on TV a lot. CNN thinks that he's got a lot of great things to say. He was on with Poppy Harlow there, by the way, who who I remember I had a really fun exchange with their producer, Mike, once over at CNN, where they kept introducing whoever it was. It wasn't Van Jones. It was another, but, you know, somebody like a Van Jones, a, a, a just a Democrat partisan on air, which is fine, right? I, I'm, But they would always introduce me in the segment as conservative media like a conservative political commentator and the other person the democrat was always political analyst just political analyst and that's really at the and, and i brought this up with with poppy with harlow and she just looked at me like huh like like it wasn't you know what do you mean like what does that matter why does that i'm looking at her I'm like because 
I'm a right-wing nutso, and this is the way CNN sets this up. And we need to let our audience know that. Yeah, and we need to let our audience know that. This other person is just a political analyst, just the facts, you know? This other person's just the truth, just down the middle. You're crazy. And we want to make sure we establish that beforehand. I mean, they, they never bring... I've never once seen them in all my time over there watching it or doing it at CNN. I've never seen them bring somebody on and say that uh, this is a liberal political or, or even a progressive political analyst, but conservative political commentator all the time. What they're saying is, yeah, like, look at this guy. He's got a side party. He wears boat shoes, blah, blah. You know, he looks like the bad guy from a movie where the fraternity of all the all the white dudes with side parted hair wear blazers and talk about yachting and wear wear shoes with no socks. That's the that's the subliminal messaging here. You know, I'm the guy from PCU who's like, that's not my BMW. That is, you know, like I'm that I'm I'm David Spade in PCU. That's what they're setting me up for on CNN. And you know, if that's the game, can we all just be honest about it? But I just remember Poppy be like, huh? What do you mean? I'm like, do you really not know? I don't know what's worse, that you don't know or that... Yeah, but this is the same thing. Go on the Twitter accounts of any number of CNN anchors, and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm just... Yeah, see what they retweet. See what they like. They're Democrats. It's very obvious. They're pushing a Democrat narrative, but they're, oh, 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 I'm non-partisan. I love these guys who also, these... these uh these journalists who are, I'm, I'm a registered independent. Oh, you fooled me there. Can't figure that one out. You know, you guys are slick, you registered independents. There's one over at one of the networks. So I, won't, I won't name on air. It's not worth it. But he's some kind of political analyst. Oh, I'm a, I'm a registered independent now. I'm like, yeah, you're also just an idiot. But hopefully, I guess for you, lucky for you, you're a, well, you're a well-paid idiot. Um, there was also, this is, now look, I'm being a little, I know, I'm, I'm having a little... A little, uh, little fun with this one, but there was a a still shot from South, the South Carolina rally. We're going to talk about the whole Acosta thing later on because it's great. It's great. Speaking of people, you know, when you go through their Twitter account, you know exactly where they stand on stuff. We'll go through it later. But there's a still shot the Daily Caller put out, and under the uh, the it's, it's Jim Acosta, and behind him, somebody's <laughs> someone's holding up a sign right in the shot. CNN sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I got to go to one of these rallies. I got to get a CNN sucks t-shirt and uh, I got to just drink it all in because they're my kind of people. It's, it's just speech. It's just speech. I know journalists think that there's like this long, dark night of tyranny that descends on the country. You know, they can trash conservative journalists and conservative hosts and commentary uh, folks and everything as much as what they want. You know, call us racist, we're dividing the country, we're scum, we're liars, you know, that's all fine. The moment that, you know, they're the ones that are in the hot seat on this stuff, it's, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to democracy without the, the gatekeepers at CNN? And Ugh. Ugh, gosh. Terrible. It's really, it's really appalling. Um, so, there's that. Uh, 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. I, I do want to talk to you a bit more about... Uh, immigration and where things stand with that uh, first of all the congress is going to let us down i've been telling you this all along you know i'm right on this one i was also right on how the uh, supreme court would uphold this i like to know when i'm right you know, the supreme court would uphold the trump travel ban and they did uh but i also i've been telling you that congress isn't going to do anything on immigration and there's just this this continue the status quo is a lot of talk and then dysfunction a lot of talk and then gridlock and and, and 
also a part of this is there's more illegals coming to the country. The system is getting more broken. The political weight in favor of illegals because of the population change in this country is only becoming uh, larger and, and more serious. So this is something we really need to keep an eye on. Um, and uh, we'll talk about what's going on with it in just a moment. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Much more coming. Stay with me. I want to solve all of your coffee needs right now, too, Buck. This is the easiest, best way you can possibly go. Black Rifle Coffee. You know, Black Rifle Coffee has a coffee club that makes sure that you don't have to worry about lines anymore. You don't have to run out to the store. You can get great coffee shipped to your front door every month. Plus, when you join Black Rifle's Coffee Club, you'll receive discounts and offers not available to other customers. By choosing Black Rifle, you're supporting a company that gives back to veterans and first responders and serves coffee and culture to those who truly love America. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Receive 15% off your first order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck for 15% off and join the coffee club. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. If you vote for Trump, then you, the voter, you, not Donald Trump, are standing at the border like Nazis. Are you suggesting that they're racist or they're yes? The, yes. the, the people who vote, all the people who voted for Donald Trump are racist. Yes. Yeah. If Republicans weren't so racist, they could encourage black people who are morally conservative to be on their yeah. side. These policies that this administration is putting forth are intentionally cruel. They are racist. Anybody who votes for and supports a racist is a racist. You are culpable white America. I'm sorry. Or how do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? And 25% of the country, whether it's 25, 20, 30% are hardcore racist. They do not want to see brown people coming into America. Of certain individuals and institutions, we will, as per Chief Jim Hopper, punch some people in the face when they seek to destroy the meat and the disenfranchised and the marginalized. And we will do it all with soul, with heart, there are still generations of people, older people, who were born and bred and marinated in it, in that prejudice and racism, and they just have to die. Look at everybody here is, makes money, works hard, pays taxes, does a great job. You're smarter, you're better, you're more loyal. We have the greatest base in the history of politics. There you have two competing visions of Trump supporters. One is just a, a collection of really nasty comments from media figures, Hollywood celebrities. And there you have Trump speaking to his people. I, I There's a part of me that almost doesn't want to speak about this too much and speak too loudly because I don't want Democrats to catch on. I want them to keep thinking that the way that they win elections at a time when they are in the worst political position in terms of actually winning elections that they've been in decades. Some would say really in the Second World War period. You look at state houses and what's going on there and governorships. Uh, but their their default is to call people racist and to call them evil and bad. There is no good faith or goodwill 
There's no decency extended from their side to ours. And they just keep doubling down on it more and more all the time. That the only reason Trump was able to win or the only way Trump was able to win the last election was because states and individual counties that went for Obama twice in many cases went for Trump this time around doesn't factor into their analysis, right? You see, if if you live in Michigan or Pennsylvania or anywhere in the country for that matter, and you voted for Obama and then you voted for Trump because you just figured that the Obama policies and the economy weren't very strong, you didn't want more of that, and you wanted somebody who was going to fight for you and going to do more for the American working class, you know, really it's just because you're a racist. That's what the Democrats want to tell you. It's not because you want to have an easier time putting food on the table, less regulation on your business, a greater chance at the life you want. That's, that's not what it was, just because you're racist. This is what Democrats say. I have friends who are Democrats, and they kind of agree with this. And I look at them, I'm like, look, it's a good thing we don't talk politics too much when we're hanging out because you're way off base. But I, as I've been saying, I, I don't know if I really want to even make too much noise about this. I want them going, I want the party of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer going into the midterms with their most compelling vote for me slogan being Republicans are racist. And I would like Hillary to put down the rosé and the yoga just long enough to be like, I should be president and just show up. You know, we should just do an ad. I should just volunteer to do ads for Republicans across the country where I do. We do like a pretend Hillary thing. You know, I have like a Hillary puppet. What do you call what, Mike? What do you call the guys? Uh, you know what I mean? The guys with the they talk through. What do you talk through? The, the, the little guy that sits on the leg. What do you call it? Ventriloquist. Thank you, sir. Producer Mike on the on the ball today. Do a ventriloquist thing with Hillary? That'd be amazing. I, I think I'm really getting myself into some trouble here. This could actually be a thing. Hi, I'm Hillary. I'm just sitting on Buck's lap. Doesn't he have great hair? You know, we could do this whole thing and and just kind of go from there. Um, I'm, I'm getting ideas, friends. Hey, if it'll save our republic, who am I to stand in the way? Who am I to deny my, my Hillary voice talents to the cause of freedom? 844-900-BUCK if you want to chat. 844-900-2825. I said we'd talk immigration, immigration policy, and what's going on in the House and the Senate. That's coming up. He's back with you now. Because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. No ban, no wall. No ban, no wall. I'm always glad when people are talking, but the president and the administration can solve this problem on their own. That's the quickest, best, and easiest way to solve it. As I said, the president created this problem. The quickest way to fix it is administratively. The president can do that. He can do it quickly. He can do it efficaciously. And that ought to be the first step here. People, I'm glad people are talking. They should continue to talk. But that's the way to solve it. That's what we need, border security. We've got to get going. A lot of bad things are happening, and I think we're doing it incredibly well. We have no tools. We have bad laws. 
We have the worst immigration laws in the history of the world, okay? It's a joke. People can't believe it. Other countries look at us, and they say, how is that possible? You know, the, the, the laws on the books actually aren't, aren't really that bad. It's that we won't enforce them, but the president's right. The laws are in some ways also, at this point, because of our inability, you know, we, we have to now change the laws that we have because it's not just enough to enforce them because things have gotten so bad that you need laws. So you got you got a few problems. What I mean by this is at the border, we are overwhelmed. Right? They, they have overwhelmed the system. So even now, if we try to enforce the laws at the border, there are challenges and there are problems. So then you have to deal with, well, what about the you know, asylum seekers, how do we handle that? Asylum is supposed to be a one person shows up. Oh my gosh, if I go back to my country, they're going to torture and murder me. Please take me in. Please, please, please. And we take people in. That's really what the, that's the, that's the idea, the idea behind asylum. It's not, I don't like my country. It's poor. I want to be in America. It's a better situation here. That's immigration. That's not asylum. So, you know, we need, and, and I know, like, I mean, you could argue it other ways, right? We could just be very rule of law focused and, believe that the law is the law and that would certainly help but i also think that we need to change some of these loopholes because this is where the democrats play the games uh, and this is also why you need a wall because a wall that's why we started with the people chanting outside the supreme court no ban no wall because a wall is there it is fixed it is by definition immovable and real and if it's no big deal why do democrats hate the idea so much Wall is very effective. Remember, a wall is not just about preventing people from getting over it. It also creates a physical fortification for the enforcement of that boundary. So this is why, you know, if you look, look at walls throughout history, it's, they didn't just put a wall up there and then, oh, you know, somebody can hop over it or they can build a tower or something and get over it. No, it's because then you also have four deployed Guard towers and sensors and other things that come along with the wall. It's all part of a package. You could dare, dare I say it is comprehensive in nature. Democrats are fighting a tooth and nail, though, because they they like this. They like to be able to pretend to want an orderly immigration system when they actually leave it open for as much illegal immigration as possible. You know what gets lost in so much of this discussion, too? We take in between people that become U.S. citizens and permanent uh, green, you know, permanent residents, green card holders. We take in a million people a year. A million. Every year in this country, it's like, you're now part of the American family. You're here. You're good. You stay. That's legal immigration. Every year. And because we want to cut down a little bit the illegal immigration that's coming into the country, we get told that we're racist, we're xenophobic, and, you know, I, I, I look at this and I say, this is an upside-down world we're living in. I mean, this is bizarro land. There's no real connection to a reality, to normalcy. We are so open-minded and with open arms towards immigrants. It's We should be giving ourselves pats on the back all the time as a country. But instead, oh, you know, we're, we're not doing a good enough job handling the Asylum seekers who look the same thing they do with dreamers and others and changing the language to undocumented. They're not asylum seekers. They're illegal aliens that are lying to the government about why they are coming into the country or how they're coming into the country in many cases so that they can stay. And I I do feel badly for these people. But when I hear things about how, oh, we're creating internment camps or whatever. No, what we actually have are 
effectively refugee camps, which lots of countries have. And those countries, by the way, we say are, you know, doing good work. Thank you. Like when I was in the Jordanian refugee camps, uh, or Jordanian refugee camp of, of Zatri with 100,000 people living in tents in the middle of the desert, miles from the Syrian border with the Syrian civil war just raging on. Uh, nobody was saying, look at the Jordanians. They're so mean. They're so evil. These people are in refugee camps. They're saying, no, these people are alive because the Jordanian government took them in to save them. So people aren't saying that they're so mean and terrible. Right? That's that's not fair. In this case, you'll notice, right, look at that comparison. In this case, people are saying, well, they're fleeing violence and, and desperate circumstances. And we're, we're the bad guys here? Why are we the bad guys? We're taking people in. Some of them stay, some of them don't. Most of them who have claimed asylum have gotten to stay, by the way, in the past. Or those who have been released into the interior of the United States, they've been allowed to stay. But you'll notice... We, we hold ourselves to the standard of we can't really enforce the law at all against any of these people. That's what the Democrats want. That's really what they believe. And I saw this uh, this video last night of uh, from Rachel Maddow's show on MSNBC where they showed a an undercover video of these child detainment facilities. They're calling them right or whatever it is that the current term terminology that's being used. And I saw the video and OK, it looked like a video of any reasonable public school classroom anywhere in the country. There were books and maps and tables and chairs and food and teachers and, you know, uh, to, to call this concentration camps and Nazi-like is so, is so moronic and so beyond the pale. And so also, by the way, it's just so disrespectful to what actually happened in the Holocaust and what the Nazis did. I mean, in disrespectful to the memory of those lost. That it's it's hard to argue with these people because I'm like, are are you actually a bunch of are you really just idiots? Are you just not smart enough to have this conversation in an adult way? Or are you deeply dishonest and involved in the worst kinds of demagoguery? I think there's that old line, uh gosh, who was it? Uh, I forget who it was, so I'm just gonna steal it now. But somebody else said this that a demagogue is Somebody who says things he knows to be untrue to a room that he knows to be full of idiots, basically. You know, that's that's what the, the Democrats are are doing to their own constituency here, pretending that they're saving these children from Nazism. It's just outrageous. Okay, so now we get to the legislative fix part of this, though. I just want to note: I, I don't think anyone else has made that point. Refugee, usually countries that take in refugees, there's a there's a a gratitude. To the country and from the people that have been taken in. We are taking people in. And by the way, refugee status is not, that doesn't mean that they're permanently living in that country. It just means they've been given safe harbor. We are giving all of these asylum seekers safe harbor. Some of them are being detained and and processed for, you know, misdemeanor, illegal entry in the United States. But they're all safe. They're all clean. They're all fed. And we're the bad guy. So if there are asylum seekers, I just want to know, why are we not being held to standard of other countries that take in refugees? And it's supposed to be, thank you for taking us in. Not, oh gosh, you didn't do this fast enough. Or, you know, it's it's pretty remarkable when you start to see the way that we, the way America is on this and, and the standard that it's held to by the Democrat left versus the rest of the country. But all right, so now we get to the legislative fix side of this and what could be done here. And uh, here's the... 
the quick and dirty courtesy of the Wall Street Journal. House Republican leaders work to build support among GOP lawmakers for a broad immigration bill tentatively set for a vote on Wednesday aiming to minimize defections after President Donald Trump vacillated, good word, Wall Street Journal, on whether he backed the measure. After meeting behind closed doors with rank-and-file Republicans, GOP leaders plan to spend the day counting how many votes would be gained from proposed revisions that would make it harder to work in the U.S. without legal documentation and to establish a new agricultural guest worker program if the bill fails, as expected. The House could move as early as Thursday to a targeted bill dealing with the uproar over a Trump administration policy that's led to the forced separation of thousands of migrant children from their parents. End quote. Okay. Bill's going to fail. That's for sure. Which then brings me to the maybe we really do need to think about changing the rules so that in the Senate you don't need 60 votes to get anything done anymore. I mean, this is just it's just nonsense. This is not the way it's supposed to be. This is an artificial constraint the Senate puts upon itself so that it really just creates political cover for senators so they never have to take tough votes. You know, they, they don't want to be in a position where they're the 51st vote for something. Um, so that's that's a, a part of this discussion that I guess I'll put off for another time. But they're not going to they're not going to do anything big on immigration, especially right in advance of the midterms. This is all for show. This is a show vote. And beyond that, I think that they will get through this uh, way to you know deal with the families, keep them together. Although it will be interesting to see how Democrats t- try to demagogue that part of the issue as well. They're gonna they're gonna make sure they squeeze as much out of this in the news cycle as they can. You know, Trump is Hitler. Trump is a bad guy. All that kind of stuff. That's what they're gonna do here. Uh, but in the meantime, our our immigration policy continues as an unsustainable and. Uh, broken it is broken but people have broken it it's not because it's a it's not that the system itself is inherently flawed it's that it has been broken and it's been broken by an unholy alliance between the democrats and waves of illegal immigration that's what's happened and no one seems like they want to fix it you know eventually you're going to have you're going to have real problems in this country when we realize that our debt when we feel not just realize that our debt load is unsustainable and we turn around and we say, oh, OK, so we've been subsidizing the poor from the rest of the world by bringing them into this country in an economy where they are unlikely to be able to be net contributors. And also that has changed the political culture. I mean, Democrats are OK with changing the fundamental political culture of the United States through illegal immigration. They're fine with it as long as they vote Democrat, as long as they're statists, people that want a big welfare state, a lot of government uh, regulation, intrusion, a lot of. What you see in most of the rest of the world. So I, I find this all quite troubling. Republicans are disappointing on this issue. They got to build a wall, folks. We were promised a wall. I, Trump said today, I know we, we started it. Not enough. We've taken one step on a thousand mile journey here. It's not enough. So, like I said, the vote's going to fail. And then they'll pass something that'll be narrowly tailored to keeping families together. And Democrat, Democrats will claim victory on it. And hope that no one pays attention to the fact that they have lots of Democrats running around, Democrat activists at least, who want the abolition of immigrations and customs enforcement entirely. They're trying to they're trying to quiet them down now, down now because they don't want the American people to figure that out. All right, eight four four nine hundred buck. We'll take some calls when we come back. Stay with me.
Welcome back, team. We got calls on the well, calls on the line. That's not really a thing, I guess. But right, but we've got calls up. We are lit. The Freedom Hunt is ready for action. Don in Omaha, Nebraska. What up, Don? Wow, what a privilege to talk to you. Privilege hey, to talk to thank, you, sir. Yeah, thank God for Gorsuch. Man, yeah, that man. is so. Oh wow. Hey, I. Well, actually, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest with you, Don. I mean, yes, thank God first and foremost. Got to thank Trump for Gorsuch. Without without yes. Trump, without Trump, you'd have you'd have some smarmy leftist in judges' robes on that court, just dispensing with rule of law, with constitutional norms, in favor of being hashtag resistance hero number one. That's what would be going on. Oh, absolutely. No, you're you're absolutely right. But I I just got to say my my comment to the screener was this. Uh, I I lost I gave up cable for the summer because I figured I I was gonna, not going to watch that much TV. So the only channel I can get now is CBS, and uh, so I watch the morning news, and it's just uh, interesting to watch the facial expression of the people as they comment on the news stories, especially when it comes to uh, when it comes to immigration. Uh, I think her name is Gail King, maybe the black gal and there's a white guy on her and they just look when they report they look at each other like uh, this, this look of disdain and she's always going to make a a little snide comment on the end of every story that comes with, with immigration and trump and it's just so obvious uh what their biases are and it just shows me a total lack of objectivity when it comes to the media and and it, it gets to the point where it's so glaring that it just is very off-putting after a while. Yep. I, I totally agree. I see it too, my friend. Uh, it's, it's very clear to me who's a Democrat pretending to be an objective journalist in the media and, you know, and who's, uh, well, that's what they all do. So I guess it's very clear to me when they're doing it, though. Earl in Shelby, Ohio. Hey, Earl. Great to talk to you. Uh, I agree with the last guy. The only thing is, is I don't understand how the ones on the other side think that it's okay to write law anyway, because that's what they're supposed to do when they're Supreme Court judges. They're supposed to look at the law and take it as it is. And if they were against what Trump did, then they were trying to write law. But uh, what I really called about is I think Trump could take care of, of our problem at the border tomorrow by closing the border, and you have to apply to come in, and we, we'll look at you for 90 days. And I'm sure there's a bunch of those people that we wouldn't have to look at very hard, and they would never get to come into the come across the border. All right, Earl. Thank you for thank you for your thoughts on this, one, my friend. We got to run into a break in just a second here. Uh, I, uh, I'm gonna the next hour. I'm gonna tell you the, the dumbest comment I've heard on cable news in the last 24 hours, which, given what Gergen said before, is really quite a bar. But it's the single dumbest I think that I've heard, maybe the dumbest all month. Uh, and then also, civil the civility discussion. Oh, isn't it so quaint? Isn't it so cute when Democrats pretend to care? We'll get into that and oh so much more. Don't forget, tomorrow, the Freedom Hub with Buck Sexton. Download it on iTunes. It's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a quick show. It's going to be different from this show. 
So uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe. Check it out on iTunes and team back in just a few. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest growing crimes out there. And if you've ever had your credit card stolen, as I have, it can be a really uh, stressful and terrible experience. Having your home's title stolen is way worse, my friends, and it's so easy for the bad guys to do. Here's the scam. They just need Internet access. They target American homeowners. They take your name. They replace it with an alias, and then they start taking out loans against your home. You find out about it when the requests for payment from the bank or whomever they've borrowed money from start showing up at your front door. And guess what? If you've got insurance, if you've got uh, identity theft protection, that doesn't stop this. You need Home Title Lock. For just pennies a day, Home Title Lock protects my most viable asset, my family home. Register now for a free analysis and discover if your home's title has been compromised. That's a $60 value free. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Welcome back, team. Uh, with all the talk of uh, civility out there, you, you know it's just a matter of time before some folks in the in the media do the whole, oh, no, it's so hard for us. Trump is so mean to us, and Trump supporters are so mean. They're so uncivil. And, you know, because the, the media these days, it's all about pretending they're not making the story about them, but they are making the story about them. That's That's the game that they play. One of their favorite games, really. And there's nobody who does it more egregiously, I think, than uh, than than Jim Acosta, who does I mean, he, him. I mean, there's a few of them, right? Acosta, Tapper, uh, Cooper. I don't really, I don't, I don't watch enough of his stuff to really know, quite honestly, these days what his. But you know, Don Lemon. These people are they're 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 journalists who just happen to always shade their narrative toward the Democrat side of things. They're journalists who happen to be in good standing with Democrats all the time and never seem to really do anything to greatly upset them. And Acosta, though, in particular, you know, he's tweeting out that the president's a liar, the president's scum, and then he's like, why don't people treat me like I'm just a nonpartisan journalist? Because we're all supposed to be a bunch of complete idiots. Uh, but sure enough, um, sure enough, we have Acosta at a rally where he came into uh, contact with some Trump supporters, and uh, things got things got interesting. Play clip uh, four, please. We have about a uh, couple thousand people in this room so far. Uh, they are uh, letting the press corps here know exactly how they feel about what we're doing here, Wolf. All right, Jim. This evening, it is no secret he is going to hammer the issue of immigration right up until the midterm elections coming up this fall. And even with families being separated with their children at the border, the president believes this issue is a winner for the Republican Party. I don't know if you got it all, but they were yelling, go home, Jim, and fake news, Jim. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. It's so great. It's the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. I also have seen some coverage, some signs that people have Fox News, real news, CNN, fake news, MSNBC, disgusting. We love Sarah. You see some of these signs up. But uh, there was a woman who got right up in Acosta's face. Yeah, she's just great. She's right up in Acosta's grill. And, uh, and you know, he's he's doing, like, it's fine. Nobody actually threatened anybody. They're allowed to, you know, why aren't they? I don't understand. You know, the media is saying, oh, you know, protest is fine. I'm just saying they're just they're allowed to chant things. They're at a rally, folks. They're not at Jim Acosta's home. As I've said, I wouldn't be okay with that. Don't mess with Jim Acosta in front of his family. Don't mess with Jim Acosta when he's out having a meal. That's not cool. 
But you're at a political rally. People can chant things at you. Okay, that's just the that's just reality. Though. This is a very but see they pretend to blur these lines. The left they act like they don't know the difference. They act like they have no ability to reason out. You know what's what's a uh, completely uh, understandable expression of disagreement. Shall we shall we say? Uh, with CNN versus what is, you know, crossing the line, going too far. But, you know, Acosta, he got a little, he, he wanted to let everybody know he was upset later on. Uh, he, he talked about the civility point. Play that clip, too. And with all this talk of civility, Wolf, I can tell you that not all of the people in this crowd here in West Columbia, South Carolina, treated us with that level of civility that we all think that Americans should be entitled to across this country. Uh, While we have had some people come up to us and be very nice this evening, I did have uh, an elderly woman come up to me just a short while ago. We have some video we can show you where she came up to me and said that uh, we at CNN should get the F uh, out of this auditorium at this high school in West Columbia. Uh, she then turned to the crowd and whipped them up into a frenzy, uh, calling on us to leave this auditorium before President Trump arrives, Wolf. But of course, as you know, uh, we are here to do our jobs and report the news and report on this rally. And So uh, there's photos. The, the woman is a, is a, an elderly woman, okay? And look, I, I can't say that I, I would shout profanity at reporters and, you know, that that's that's not a move I would make. But she's allowed to not like these reporters. And I just think it's so interesting that, you know, that, that this is the place we are now where at political rallies, we're going to talk about civility. But when people want to have dinner with their family in their off time, then it's more of a, well, you know, your policy is really bad at the border. By the way, in, in the photo of the uh, of the elderly woman I can see here on foxnews.com. There, there is a guy who is clearly he's, his shield, his badge is showing on his belt right next to the. So, so Jim Acosta is being heckled by an elderly woman who is standing behind a metal barrier with a police officer standing right there and watching. And he, he's concerned, it seems. He's worried about what this elderly woman, you know, maybe she's going to, I don't know, she's going to take a cane out and try to poke him with it or something. I don't know. I don't know what the big worry is here. You know, nothing, nothing bad's going to happen, Jim. It's all going to be fine. Uh, but you see, what the, what the media keeps doing is is trying to shift the goalposts here away from a discussion this week about just how disgraceful the conduct has been toward Trump people. Uh, and what one of the things they do now is they just say, well, because Trump is bad, then anything that anyone else does is in response to Trump. See, they have this magic trick of making Trump responsible for all bad behavior, including bad behavior that they themselves do or that comes from their side. Play clip two. Should someone who lies constantly and enables the president's lies be openly welcomed in society wherever they please? I would say that the polite discourse is inappropriate when there are babies in cages. Now, does that mean that we're going to be violent? No. But does that mean that Sarah Sanders can have a nice, quiet dinner with her family when she's taking our tax dollars? to implement this policy, I don't think so. It wasn't until we had three-year-olds in cages that these people couldn't go into public. Too bad on them. But this vulgarity that exists, represented primarily right now, pushed by the president, but now coursed on either side of the aisle, has made it much worse and much harder to do anything in this country. Those comments precipitated a significant backlash from members of both parties and from the president, who, we should note, lied about Waters, what Waters had said and appeared to then threaten her with violence. You know, they're, they're doing everything they can here to make it how it's it's just Trump's fault. It, it somehow is always Trump's fault. 
And what what they don't understand of this whole process is that if that's really their position, if that is really their belief, then I guess anything is justified, right? Anyone can say anything to anyone at any time and say, but Trump is so bad. I hate Trump so much. Did you hear what Trump said to that guy during the campaign? Trump, this is... We talk about whataboutism sometimes, or two wrongs don't make a right. This is the most basic stuff that you could ever see, the most basic uh, version of a non-argument argument. Right? The, the comments that Maxine Water has made, the comments that some of these other people have made in the last week are, are just disgraceful. It's just disgusting. And as, I don't care what Trump says. Okay, Trump's not making these other people say anything. And, you know, when, when, you, when they, they tell us about how they want, they're so upset that Trump isn't civil enough, they turn around and then they act this way. We realize that, oh, no, they're just upset because Trump fights back. Because you know what? They were uncivil like this before Trump, too, folks. I remember they were calling Trump a Nazi and Cheney's a Nazi. I'm sorry, Bush a Nazi and Cheney's a Nazi and, you know. War criminal, Cheney's a war criminal. You know, this is this is not new. This is who they are. This is how they are. They are character assassins. They smear people. They destroy reputations. They ex- they will not extend any good faith to the other side in these political arguments. They just won't. They won't. And, and they, they offer you a choice, you know, co- get co-opted by us on the left. Come over to our side. Be an anti an anti-Trump conservative, which what does that even mean these days? You're going to oppose all the really good conservative stuff that Trump has been implementing as president because you don't like the guy? Well, you throw a little tantrum? That strikes me as really unwise. Uh, but you know, your options are either go over to the left and be useful to them, or they'll destroy you, or they'll ruin you. That's what, that's what they propose. By the way, you know, they, they were at Stephen Miller's house yesterday. Now they're actually tracking down uh, senior advisors, you know, they're going to track, you know, the cabinet officials. I didn't even talk about how at the Red Hen, I'm seeing reports from the Washington Examiner. You know, the Red Hen is where uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was chased, or I'm sorry, was was harassed. It turns out that she may have also been chased to another place, to a restaurant across the street. I, I need someone to explain how that's okay. You know, originally it was, well, it's her place, you know, the owner's place, the owner's rules. Mm, turns out that's not really how it happened. Kind of kind of turns out that we're in a situation where uh, they were just, that this owner was deranged and trying to make a big statement about how much she hates, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You know, it reminds me, I remember a long time ago, early on in the administration, you know, Ivanka took a, like an exercise class somewhere in D.C., And the exercise class owner was posting about how, you know, next time she's going to pull Ivanka aside and have a conversation with her. Doesn't want to talk to you. Doesn't have to talk to you. That's not not how this works. That's not how any of this works. But, you know, the left, you know, their their biggest problem, I keep saying it, their biggest problem is that all the terrible calamities that they said would befall this country have not happened. The country's actually doing really well, and it's doing really well under someone that they said was evil and terrible and dumb. Well... Who looks dumb now? It's not us. It's not Trump. We'll be right back. Alarm companies get a lot of complaints from the Better Business Bureau, my friends, and that's because they're trying to always lock you into these long-term contracts. I can help you fix all of your home security needs. Simply Safe 
home security. If you go and check this out, you'll see for yourself. I've got a Simply Safe system at home. It just runs off the Wi-Fi. It couldn't be any easier. And honestly, it looks cool. If you're somebody that likes Apple products, if you're somebody that cares about sleek design and a really easy to use interface and total accessibility, remote accessibility, I should add, you can use an app to do it. It's so straightforward and it protects every aspect of your home. It looks good in your home. It's easy to use, runs off the Wi-Fi, no long-term contracts, no alarm company style scams. Couldn't be any easier. Simplysafe.com slash buck. Check it out for yourself. Simplysafe.com slash buck. Again, try the same system I have at home with simplysafe.com slash buck. Huge high-stakes gamble, and it would take an outsider, somebody like a Donald Trump, and I'd say this to his credit, to try to shake up the system, particularly vis-a-vis China, where we all know China's been picking our pocket and stealing from us, and we just acquiesce. Donald Trump comes along and says, I'll fight. I'll fight for America. I'll fight for American workers. I'll take on China. We don't know if he'll win the fight, though, and that's what Harley-Davidson shows. When the president slapped tariffs on Europe, Europe slapped tariffs back. The tariffs hit Harley. Harley moves to Europe, so they won't be hit by European tariffs. That's how trade wars go. If Trump can pull this off and make the rest of the world lower their tariffs and get back to more free trade, boy, will he be a successful president. We picked up about $8 trillion in value doing what we're doing. now. We've got a little bit of uncertainty because of trade. To me, there's no uncertainty. And to other people that happen to be smart, there's no uncertainty. But we can't allow the European Union to take out $151 billion out of the United States. We can't allow Mexico to have a NAFTA deal that gives them over $100 billion. And I call it profit. You know, you can divide that up any way you want to do it. I call it profit. So the trade issue is getting some attention again this week. And, you know, I think that that Ari Fleischer's point there, and then, of course, we heard from the president right after him, really relevant to this discussion. There, There is a risk here. You know, Trump says, look, there's uncertainty. I don't think there's uncertainty, but... This is a this is a a negotiation, and one side can do better than the other side in a negotiation. I mean, there's no guarantee that everyone comes out of negotiation feeling like it's great. That's not how this works. But one thing that is guaranteed is if only one side negotiates, or rather one side dictates the terms of an interaction, you're not getting a good deal. You have to use the possibility of either walking away from a deal or using your own leverage to bring the other side closer to your side, right? So you say, okay, you know, I'm, if they're going to, uh, if they're going to act this way with regard to all, there are all kinds of tariffs the EU has in place, which I think is so funny. And they, they don't have their leadership class. They don't have the elites in the EU saying, oh, may we be answer. We must get rid of the tariff. It's so terrible. They're not, apparently everyone in Europe is French, but, they're not saying that, although there are some vaguely Euro accents that you'll hear sometimes. You're like, are you just kind of from Spain, Switzerland, Germany, England, like kind of all over the place? You know, you'll hear this. I can't really do it, but I know it when I hear it, the vague European accent. But there's going to be some disruptions here. There's going to be a little bit of uh, unease in this process. There would there would have to be. It wouldn't make any sense if there wasn't. Right. We We know that there would have to be because. You've got two sides that are in conflict over something. It's a trade conflict, but it's not uh, It's not something that can just be resolved by wishing it away. And the point about China, that couldn't be any more obvious. 
We're being told all the time the trade wars are so bad, the tariffs are so stupid, tariffs are attacks. Meanwhile, China has China with its massive systems of not just tariffs, but intellectual property theft and cheating on trade in a whole variety of ways. Has China gotten richer or poorer over the last 30 years doing what it's doing? It's gotten astronomically richer as a country. So what does that tell us? Clearly, you can still do very well, even if you're putting tariffs in place. I don't think that tariffs, just for their own sake, are a good idea. I don't think they're a good idea for political constituencies, particular ones at home, which we already have tariffs, by the way. The U.S. has some tariffs in place. I mean, this the more I've learned about this, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just like many of you. I've been diving in and reading about tariffs as we go along, and that's why I can tell you, you know, I, I can start to get into how, you know, some tariffs are quota-based, some tariffs are percentage-based, some tariffs aren't really even about the money so much as they're about the process and the regulations you have to go through to bring something into a country, right? There's there's all this. It's a, it's a very intricate part of you know, international uh, commerce, but it's all, and it's a very important one, obviously, too. But we're just beginning to have this discussion. People have been saying, oh, no, we're just about, I'm a free trader. I just want to be wealthy. I'm all about free trade. Yeah, that's right, Bob. Free trade for me. What does that mean? Are you a free trader if you have the EU putting tariffs on your products and you're just like, well, I don't want to upset them. So, you know, with China doing all the stuff that it does, are you free trade if you just say, yeah, well, you know, we don't want to mess with China on trade. It doesn't make any sense. You think this stuff through and you see Trump's point of view on this is much more understandable. And is he right? We'll see. We don't know yet, meaning meaning, can he make this thing work? Can he actually get other countries to back off their tariffs? Maybe not. Maybe some of them find their domestic industries that they protect with their tariff systems to be too important. That's also possible. I'm not saying he's going to win these negotiations. I'm not saying at least he's trying. And the economic dislocations and uncertainty that we're feeling in the meantime, uh, of, of course you're going to get certain companies that are going to hyperventilate over this. Of course you're going to see uh, circumstances where people are acting like this is the end of the world, because it's all about the bottom line for them, right? It's all about, you know, Harley Davidson uh, is going to say, well, you know, we, we're now going to move, we're going to offshore. But, you know, Harley Davidson, there's already an international corporation, folks. They were, they've got a facility in Thailand. This is what doesn't make it into the headlines. They've got a facility in Thailand to serve the Southeast Asian market. So we think of these iconic and these great American brands, and we go, oh, no, you know, they're going to, because of Trump's tariffs, they're going to offshore. They're already offshoring in many cases. They've already got international operations ongoing. So, you know, if if they're going to react in that way, if they're going to say, OK, well, you know, that's their right. They're allowed to make decisions based on their own economic. They should make decisions based on their economic self-interest. But that doesn't mean that that should dictate the rest of national policy when it comes to trade. You know, this you start to see it turns into a war of anecdotes. You know, who's going to tell a story that seems more compelling on the nightly news, uh, either the Trump administration or an individual company in any one of these areas. By the way, the, all this stuff you're seeing, and this really bothers me, people say, oh, Trump, he's picking winners and losers, and he's calling out individual companies. Obama would, would rake companies over the coal when they got in his way. You know, he would call them unpatriotic if they you know, were trying to av av avoid taxes. I mean, you go back, you look at the Obama administration record. He called out companies, too. This is just nonsense that people say. But, you know, there's a lot of a lot of hoopla, a lot of nonsense out there these days. 
Uh, I, I want to tell you about something coming up in just a moment. The dumbest comment I've heard on cable news all month, and we're pretty deep into June here, so that's that's really saying something. But for a, a political on-air analyst, I think this was the single dumbest comment that I've heard all month. And, you know, some people are just trying to one-up each other with who can be the most hyperbolic about the situation at the border. We have a winner, folks. Tell you who it is, and you can hear the comment after the break. There's a lot of bad analysis on cable news. That, that's not new to you, right? That's not something that we avoid talking about here in the hut. There's, there are people who get paid a lot of money to go on TV and say, really, really dumb things. But this is almost in a class by itself, which given what's happening these days is, it, it's a surprising thing to be able to say that, right? There's so much stupidity out there. But this is a, a, a special kind of stupid aggressively stupid you could say and it happened on uh, on morning joe where they had this analyst uh, schmidt who's also the guy who recently said he's no longer republican he's no longer republican because of trump so now it, it used to be pro-life i guess now he's gonna help democrats get pro-abortion candidates elected right used to be in favor of the second amendment now he wants gun confiscation used to be uh, in favor of commerce and capitalism and now wants environmentalists to strangle private enterprise and have regulations piled on top of uh, on top of small business owners so that they can't get anywhere. OK, all because of Trump. Right. That's. But just put that aside for a moment, although it's, it is necessary context for where we're about to go here. Just listen to where this goes. First, you get you get Joe Scarborough, who I will say decent hair. A lot you could say about Joe Scarborough, decent hair. I mean, it's not Hannity hair. But it's decent. You know what I'm saying? It's not like Hannity's like top level. Joe's hair is okay. So I respect the hair a little bit. The commentary sometimes, though, not so much at all. It's very it's very high school gossip table at the Morning Joe a lot of the time. That's the way it comes across to me. But just listen to this. Play the clip. I'm not a, theolo- I'm not a theologian. My parents no, didn't not. make me go to Baptist churches four times a week for about 21 years. <laughs> oh, you're so folksy. It didn't take, but I do remember a lot of Bible verses. It is one of the few times in the New Testament where Jesus doesn't say we are saved by faith and we are saved by grace, which we are. It's one of the few times, though, Jesus says, this is what you have to do to get to heaven. And if you don't do it, you will not get to heaven. One of the few times he says, this is it. And it is giving a cup of water in the master's name, feeding the hungry clothing the naked, visiting those in prison, and, and again, uh, uh, helping the least among us. I'm, I, the extraordinary... I preach, here, Joe, preach. By the way, the don't hate the messenger. Okay, okay. Is- okay, all right, so just pause it there for a second, all right. Yeah, okay, th- thank you for the, the Sunday school lesson from, from Joe Scarborough there. I wonder, do you think in, in one of Joe's uh, several mansions, is there room for... Some refugees to take up residence? I, I would assume the answer is yes. I'm sure the I'm sure the servants' quarters at, at whatever uh, massive properties he owns in New York, Nantucket, Washington, D.C., I'm, I'm sure there's ample room for refugees. So, you know, we can all play this game. Also have to love how you get these TV pundits. Well, I'm not going to delve into people's personal lives. I try to avoid that. I'm not perfect with it, but, but, but all of a sudden they... they they find Jesus when it comes to uh, virtue shaming the Republicans, right? Then they're, oh, you know, what about, you know, if you can't pass through the eye of a needle or something like that with the camel and the, 
you know, give to poor people. <laughs> All of a sudden they become oh so Christian. And you say, well, what about a man and a woman? What about binary genders? What about marriage as a sacred institution before God between a man and a woman? How dare you, you bigot? Take your bigoted Christian Bible out of my face. Right? So they're all a joke. But listen to what Steve Schmidt. This is just, he decided, remember, this is all about immigration. It's all about talking to, talk to the American people about immigration. Listen to what Steve Schmidt has to say. Play it. Jesus talk. The extraordinary and astounding hypocrisy of it. To see the constancy of the assertion of Christian virtue by political leaders in this country who have established internment camps for babies and toddlers. And by the way, and I never in a million years thought I would sit here or anywhere and say this, but the difference now between Venezuela and Cuba and the United States is this. Venezuela and Cuba are the countries without internment camps for babies and toddlers. <sighs> Still ahead on more. That is the dumbest thing I've heard on TV all month. The single dumbest thing. Congratulations, Steve Schmidt. Uh, the, 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 to compare, Cuba has had political prisons for decades where they uh, torture and, and murder people who are political opponents of the regime. Cuba also has a horrific record, not just on basic human rights and free association and, and political representation, but also of oppression of gays, uh, of uh, going after the LGBT community in ways that are, are, are true oppression and true discrimination. And Venezuela is like the, the eighth circle of hell these days. You have a, a government that can't do anything to turn around the fact that when you have social justice determining your economic policy, you run out of toilet paper. You don't have... There's no milk on the on, no milk on the shelves or uh, no bread on the shelves in the store. No milk in the freezer. No freezers for the milk, even or electricity for them. This is I don't know how much dumber it is going to get than that. I really don't. But this is the kind of stuff that you will hear from people, and some of them get paid a lot of money to do it. But the, he wins the prize, Steve Schmidt. Dumbest thing I've heard on TV all month. Uh, obviously knows nothing about a true totalitarian country. Hasn't spent much time or doesn't remember any time in a country where there's real tyranny, and. Uh, it was just preposterous, but we've got a roll call coming up, so stay with me. The show ain't over yet, folks. It's time for roll call. Remember how cartoons back in the day used to have really great music? I, I remember watching all these Bugs Bunny cartoons and other cartoons on whatever i don't even remember what the channels were now i've gotten so old but they just had they had really good music and there was this old time cartoon vibe that was a lot of fun anyway that music kind of reminds me a little bit of some of that uh roll call if you want to get in on the action you know how to do it you just go to uh facebook.com slash buck sexton send me your thoughts send me your ideas friends team buck countrymen lend me your ears or your Facebook messages. Same idea. All righty. With that, I think we are in a uh, in a perfect place here to get into the roll call. Uh, Nate, uh, Nathaniel, also known as Nate, I'm guessing. I don't know why I jumped to I like to shorten your name sometimes, you call in. He writes, I don't know how you do it, but you're doing great work. I see you got more time for your thoughts on rising this morning. It's time for a North Korea update. I see some subterfuge from the leftist propaganda papers, but it looks like some real changes are happening in North Korea. Uh, well, that's a very 
important thing for us to look at, and I will get after it. So thank you, Nathaniel, for that. Next up, we have uh, Melucci. Cool name. Great Facebook Live broadcast, Buck. One suggestion, though. Have the printer flip the image of your show logo horizontally, print it on the back of that one so you have a dual-use sign, shields high. Uh, Melucci, that is a very good idea. Hopefully on, you know, hopefully we've uh, made the necessary changes here going forward to make the best Facebook Lives possible. One thing is I'm used to doing radio and not looking into a camera these days. I used to do it at The Blaze. We did a simulcast for a while. It was a full TV show on cable of of the radio show that I was doing at The Blaze. Um, here, I guess I'll have to get used to looking at a camera while I'm doing the show, maybe, if we're going to continue with the Facebook Lives. Chadwick, also cool name. Chadwick writes in, hey, Buck, Shields High. I've been listening to you since you had the two-hour show on The Blaze, and I love all the content you put out. Well, thank you, Chadwick. You have fantastic taste in content. It seems to me, amidst all the haphazard Democrat allusions to Nazism on a daily basis, that the left is projecting their affinity for absolutism and brown shirt tactics onto Trump supporters. Is there anything more Nazi-like than dehumanizing your political opponents to a caricature in order to justify an abandonment of decency and an escalation of political violence. Seems like these radical leftists are not interested in sharing the country or ceding power when they lose elections. Uh, Their desperate rhetoric is taking us to the brink of violence, and I don't know where these self-styled resistance folks would go from here should Trump win re-election in 2020. It's a scary time. Uh, Chadwick, it's a little scary, but this will pass. Their hysteria is exhausting. And eventually it will not because they've turned to sanity or reason. They'll just kind of cry themselves out. You know, when you know when a baby or, or a little kid is crying and then eventually like the crying just becomes too tiring. That's what the left is. That's what's going to happen. I'm not saying bad things can't happen in the meantime, but eventually they will run out of liberal tears. You know, eventually they won't be able to keep keep the uh, nonsense going, at least not continuously. Brian writes, Buck, you're doing great things with all your new avenues uh, of media and appreciate your approach on rising, being respectful of Crystal's misaligned views while also finding common ground. Nice dedication on Charles Crothammer on radio the other day. I would be interested to hear who the other four writers uh, whose columns you actively sought out in your youth were. Also, to your points on talking to someone before they leave this world, you should try to do an interview on rising with economist Thomas Sowell or on your radio show. He is 87 years old now, and the younger generation uh, needs to know more about his brave, intelligent, uh, this brave, intelligent, and outspoken individual from Brian. Brian, thank you for the very uh, kind and, and thoughtful message. Uh, you asked about the columnist that I read, stretching back to about, uh, I'd say, high school for me, junior, senior year of high school. And the columnist that I would seek out their columns uh, was uh, Crothammer, Ann Coulter, Christopher Hitchens, and then the fourth was kind of a wild card, um, you know, basically whoever, you know, I would, I would kind of peruse National Review. Uh, so those would be, but those are the ones, uh, Crothammer, Coulter, and Hitchens were th- the three, you know, I, I think I said four, it really is more three. There were some others uh, that would be in that same cat. I, I might be forgetting somebody right now, actually, in, in my list of four. Or maybe I'm just wimping out about the fact that I used to read a lot of George Will. Maybe I'm wimping out on that one now, and I just don't know it. That's 
That's possible, too. Oh, Pat Buchanan. Sorry. That was the one I was missing. Pat Buchanan. Uh, I just pulled a Rick Perry. You know, the, the, get rid of the departments, the four departments, three departments, or whatever it was. Yeah, Pat Buchanan, uh, Ann Coulter, uh, Charles Crothammer, and Christopher Hitchens were the four columnists that I would seek out in my youth for their for their writing. Um, so there you have it. Those would be the big, for me, the big four. I mean, I've always thought Buchanan's columns were very, very thought-provoking, very, very interesting. And and Coulter, when Coulter hits it, she you just want to like you just want to high five somebody. I mean, when Coulter's in her strike zone, it's great. And and Hitchens was just such a good writer and very provocative. And you know he's he was really bigoted against Christianity, and you had to know that when you were reading his stuff. But was a really intelligent and interesting uh, author, storyteller, thinker. So I, I liked Hitchens a whole lot. I actually used to watch videos uh, stretching back to my time in college and then afterwards in the uh, early days of the CIA, I just watched videos of Hitchens debating, uh, debating different issues because you could find them all on YouTube. And I always thought he was really good. You know, and now I'm feeling bad. So like Victor Davis Hanson, I've read a number of his books, also really, really have always enjoyed his columns too. I mean, he's right in that, for me, that same, that same tier of, of greatness. So, all right. But uh, see, you got me all got me all excited with your with your uh, roll call message here, Brian. So I, I jumped into it. Keith, next up here, Buck. I was finally able to sit down and watch Rising. Uh, I think you two have hit it out of the ballpark. We finally have a conservative and progressive and team who can sit side by side and have a meaningful dialogue and then professionally interview people without letting your own political ideologies get in the way. Shield tie, bro. One more thing. Selfishly, I hope you can come to Austin, Texas. Uh, again, I was not able to be there last time. P.S. Being gluten-free in Texas is not an easy thing, but I'm proud to say that I'm doing it. Well, first of all, congrats on being gluten-free. I don't know if it's for health reasons or just dietary choice, but I'm Buck is part of the war on gluten. All right? I'm, I'm a colonel in the war on gluten, a forward-deployed operator in the war on gluten. Uh, I've never been to Austin still. And I talk about it. We've got a wonderful affiliate down there, uh, a, a truly great radio station, KLBJ. And all the folks listening on KLBJ, I just want to say thank you. I know I'm, I'm relatively new into your world, but uh, we're getting great listenership in, in the Austin area. And, and I, I really do want to, that's my, that's my pick for where I want to go to do a, a Team Buck event as soon as I can. As you can all imagine right now, I am uh, stretched to the limit here with doing a one-hour early morning show and then a three-hour radio show in the evening and then during the day, reading, researching, writing. So a lot of things going on, a lot of things. Uh, But Keith, thank you so much for your message. And I will make it to Austin for the first time in the next six to 12 months. I think that's fair to say. Uh, Hannah writes, hey, man, got a question. Might not be something you talk about on roll call. Oh, Okay, Hannah. Well, then I won't. But thank you for setting in the question. Um, and next we get Josh. Hey, Buck, I listen to your podcast all the time and have for years now. I tried leaving a review for the Red Hen and Google was blocking it. Do you think Google is controlling too much of what facts are? Well, Josh, I just would say I, I hope if you're leaving a review for the Red Hen, you're leaving it for the right one. Uh, and because <laughs> that's been happening. People, it's, it's one in Connecticut. I thought it was Massachusetts. People have been confusing the red hen of Massachusetts with the red hen of Virginia. I guess the popular name for a restaurant. 
Uh, I think Google is too powerful. I think that these various uh, these various internet platforms are just in general um, astonishingly powerful, and and it's something that we need to we just need to consider what's really happening. I, I, you know, it's they have so much control, folks. They are changing right now the content business in ways that content companies are having a a tough time with. Uh, because of what they, um, because of what they are, you know, able to do with regard to advertising dollars and CPMs. Anyway, it's maybe a boring conversation, but Facebook and Google are going to control everything soon in terms of what you see. Uh, the only way around it is going to be direct subscription. I- I'm going to tell you this now. My my dream is to just create the Freedom Hut as as really a, in a sense, a, a content pirate ship, where we we sure. Uh, sure, we can, you know, we can do whatever we can and try to use different platforms, but I, I really want to be as independently in control of content as I possibly can going forward and, and work. You know, look, it, it's just a dream of mine. That's why I love the podcasting, the FaceTime, well, Facebook actually live, which there you go. See, it's really hard to get around these things. Um, I'm going to leave it there. My conversation for where the future of media is, that's for another day. Please do subscribe to the Freedom Hunt podcast, folks. The Freedom Hunt with Buck Saxon. It is on iTunes. We are hoping to get it on Stitcher this week. It'll be out tomorrow in the afternoon. Looking forward to that and much more. Until tomorrow, my friends. Shields high.